Today is a special day as we uh, continue to work towards our elder affirmation of Tyson and Adam. Today is an opportunity for them to uh, just share more about themselves, both personally and theologically, um, to help set the tone for their affirmation uh, in the next couple of months. A um, couple of reasons that this is important, obviously. Um, the responsibility of shepherding our church falls on those that are elders, and that has currently fallen just on me. Um, but now, uh, as we're three years into our church plant, um, we feel like we are at a point now where these guys are ready to be affirmed as elders of our church. Um, God has worked uh, in their lives and their hearts over the past three years, but was working in their lives and hearts previous to that, um, getting them ready for this task, I believe. And this is an important task that I don't know that we fully understand. I think we're still learning to understand as a church family. Uh, we know that Scripture teaches the responsibility that you as a congregation has to submit to the authority and to obey the leadership of the church. Um, and, and what that exactly looks like, I think, is something that people still work through because um, we live in a day and age where there's a lot of independence within churches. Um, there's a lot of uh, opportunities to to listen to others outside the church, whether that's through books and podcasts and other opportunities, where I don't know that we naturally understand uh, what it looks like to submit to the leadership of a church. But I'm trusting that these two guys are going to know you uh, better than any other spiritual leadership out there. And they're going to have the ability to speak to you and to give advice to you and to challenge you uh, in ways that, that nobody else could because they're tasked with ultimately shepherding your souls and taking care of you. Um, and so this is a huge responsibility. And, and I told you last week that the reason that we're taking such great care with it is that when you joined Sovereign Hope, they were not elders at the time. And so you did not willingly submit yourself to their leadership when you first joined Sovereign Hope, and so we want you to actively participate in their affirmation because you will be expected now to submit to their authority uh, in your life. Um, in addition to that, when we set out to uh, establish elders, and Paul tells uh, Titus that he has the responsibility to appoint elders, uh, when we set out to do that here, I think it's important for us to note what that looks like in our context, meaning in no way do I think that that we can only appoint elders in our church if they would also be elders at other churches. Um, we want to set up people in our church that are spiritually mature uh, and that have the ability to lead within our church. And so I think we shared this before. Uh, these guys, we're not expecting them to be a John Piper or a John MacArthur in our church. That's, that's not what our church needs. Um, these guys, I believe, uh, age-wise and maturity-wise, are capable of leading our church as far as who our church is. Uh, and I have great confidence in their leadership. I have great confidence in their maturity. Um, and I think that God has raised them up to be elders of this church and not necessarily any other churches that are out there. And so I'm grateful and thankful for their spiritual maturity and their leadership for our church. Um, and, and as I've been saying, I want you guys to participate in that affirmation. I want you guys to be confident in them. And as we're working through these questions this morning, especially for our men, this is an expectation for you in general as a man. Like we want... Um, 
our elders in our church to simply be uh, us pulling from a large pool of people that are qualified to be this position. So, so as, especially as men in our church, as we're working through this, my challenge to you is to take these questions and, and make sure that you can answer these questions in your own life. Um, you may not aspire to be an elder, and that's one of the qualifications here is that you have to have the desire for that um, versus just the congregation voting and submitting your name to be an elder of our church. The first step in this process is for the person, the man to initiate that to us to say that I feel like I have a, a godly desire placed on my life to be in this position. Um, but just in general, for all our men, we desire for you to have the same spiritual maturity as any elder in our church. You may not have that call in your life to serve in that capacity, but our desire is that you would have that same spiritual maturity. So I would challenge our men even this morning as we're working through these questions to, um, to identify those things that you can't answer and to, to use that as a means of sanctification in your own life to work towards being able to confidently answer some of this stuff for you personally. I'm going to invite Tyson and Adam to come. We're going to uh, work through a series of questions that I'm going to ask them. And then, like I told you last week, we're going to turn it over to you guys as well to ask some questions that maybe we didn't cover, that I didn't cover, that you would like to see us uh, cover this morning that you feel like is important to you uh, in this whole process of seeing these guys as elders. I'm going to pray for us to get us started, and then uh, we're going to work on letting the Holy Spirit just speak to us this morning uh, through uh, both these guys sharing with us. Father, we are eternally grateful this morning um, for the opportunity that we have to serve in a church um, that desires to yield to your word and to be obedient to your word. And Father, I thank you for Tyson and for Adam and the desire that you've placed on their life, the calling that you've placed on them uh, to, to serve in this capacity. And Father, I pray that you would continue to lead them, uh, lead their families. Father, as they take on this important role, this important responsibility, Father, I know that the attacks of the enemy will increase uh, in trying to disqualify them. And so, Father, I pray that they would be on guard. Father, they would continue to be faithful in the things that you've called them to. Father, I pray that you would grant them the wisdom that they need, um, both in their own personal lives to fight sin and also in their responsibility to lead others in our church to fight sin as well. And so, Father, I pray that you'd have your hand upon our time this morning. Uh, Father, that it would be an encouragement uh, to us all and that ultimately you would be glorified and honored. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, just to get us started off, let's, um, let's start with question number 16, which I already alluded to this morning, that part of the reason these guys are here is because they initially expressed a desire uh, to serve in this capacity. So I want them both to share a little bit about why they desire to be an elder and maybe anything that led up to that desire uh, for them to be an elder. So Adam, if you want to start and then... Tyson can share. All right. Um, so, um, Adam mentioned that one of the qualifications of an elder is for him to aspire to be an elder. And so that's something that, first and foremost, I desire to be a part of uh, shepherding this church. And um, uh, I understand to the best of my knowledge, the, the weightiness that comes with being an elder and the accountability that comes with that. And I'm sure that I'll grow in my understanding of that as well. But um, 
from the beginning of uh, the three of us sitting down and and uh, really seeking to plant a church, I've I've always felt led to be a part of uh, of uh, standing next to Adam and helping him, and um, uh, and then as the years have gone on, it's gone from helping him to to really standing on my own and taking responsibility on my own and stepping up in areas that maybe I didn't feel comfortable with at first um, but as time's gone on I've, I've become more comfortable with um, uh, and also just the strengths and gifts that I felt like God has given me um, I feel like if I didn't use them in the role of a leader or a shepherd that I would be um, irresponsible with the gifts that he's given me. And so I just, you know, I want to be faithful to to use those gifts um, for the sake of his church and for his bride. Um, and so that's why I'm sitting up here today, a little scared, but <laughs> thankful to be up here. Okay. Okay, uh, this question actually was one that stumped me for a long time because... To be honest, I don't really want to be an elder in the sense of holding the office, but I was super encouraged because I heard a guy that was speaking about this passage, you know, for those who desire to to be an an overseer desires a noble task, and I was super thankful that he kind of broke it down and showed that there's a New Testament word for elder, and then there's one for overseer, and in that passage it says, for those that desire to be an overseer, which is desiring the task, so the elder is more like, hey, here's the office, here's the position, overseer, here's, the, here's the, the task and the duty. And so, to be honest, like, I don't want to necessarily, like, be in the office. When, as I was growing through this, I was just so scared of, like, I don't know what that means. I don't know how they're supposed to operate. What am I supposed to do? But as far as the task of shepherding and overseeing people, I can't help but do that. I've been doing that along the whole way. I'm, I'm not good at it. I don't claim to be. But it's something that's just internally that drives me, <clears throat> that throughout all the years of us planting here, or us being at Mount Gilead, there's just been a passion that God's put inside my heart to see that other people come to know the Lord and that they stand uh, mature in Christ. And, you know, a lot of that is just me, like, coming alongside of them because I'm on the same journey that they are, and no way am I over that. So I've been growing in that. There was a lot of um, hesitancy at first, but now that I'm seeing that it's really more about the, the task at hand. Like, like Adam says, I desire very greatly to stand next to Adam um, and give an account for souls here. And I know that sounds so scary, but I feel like it's so a part of what I'm supposed to do on the inside that I would be held account for not doing it should I chose not to be out of fear. Is that in some ways God has called me to this, and so to not do that would be to run away from something I know that he's given me gifts and just the heart and the passion to do. So... I aspire very greatly to stand next to these guys and support them and uphold them because we're all gifted differently. And to know that Adam has the exceptional ability to teach us God's word, for me to know that I can help alleviate that and help shepherd people so that he can teach, you know, and focus on that, that that, that excites me. So, sure. All right. um, Let's kind of working off of that um, question number 17. And 18, what excites you most about becoming an elder, and what are you most nervous or hesitant about in becoming an elder? Tyson, you can start us this time. Excites. Uh, just like I mentioned, I would be excited to stand with these guys to, um, 
to stand an account for the souls of the people in our church and the excitement of knowing that I'll be able to invest uh, my gifts and my abilities in ways in which hopefully will bring forth fruit in other people's lives. That's always a super exciting thing for me to know that I can empty myself um, of, of what I've got in order to help somebody, if anything, but then to see them respond to that and to turn and be encouraged in the faith or upbuilt in their personal walk, that's very exciting to me. So that's, uh, I, I guess, kind of the underlining thing. And obviously I know that there's in some ways Scripture talks about uh, in the end, you know, shepherd, uh, uh, shepherd, under shepherds that shepherd well, they will receive, you know, an unfading crown of glory. So I know that there's some type of even reward that we receive from Christ from doing this well, but um, the fear of the the task sometimes keeps me from being able to see that there is some even eternal reward by me um, humbly following Christ in this role. My ultimate fear in this is that I would ultimately fail. I mean, I think that's the easiest way to say it, is that I would um, just lose my joy in Christ um, and that work itself out in me becoming a hypocrite who is able to put on the face that I know what I'm doing, even though on the inside I haven't. Or the opposite, instead of becoming a hypocrite, I ultimately, you know, just fall. <laughs> but I'm trusting in, in God's grace, and I'm trusting in that he has started something in me and that he's faithful to bring me to the end. Um, and so I'm holding on to that, but that is my greatest fear. I mean, that's kind of general, but my greatest fear is that I would in some ways disqualify myself. Uh, but I'm holding fast to uh, future grace. My turn. Um, what excites me most about being a shepherd and being an elder is really the fruit that comes from guarding and protecting uh, the church and seeing believers overcome uh, strongholds in their lives of sin, uh, of areas that they've um, just maybe felt like they've been burdened by for long periods of time, and just seeing the fruit that comes from uh, being able to invest in their lives and show them truth, uh, show them how to believe that truth, um, and fight and that's in their lives. And um, to me, that's the exciting part. You know, that's the exciting part for me in my own life is overcoming those areas and, and learning through God's Word and through the Holy Spirit how to um, how to to truly be dead to sin in those areas and alive to God. Um, so that's what excites me, and I guess the part that I'm most fearful of is really those hard conversations that you have to have with people within those same um, times of, of trying to show them how to overcome these areas in their life. I mean, there are lots of times when you just have to, to be blunt uh, with people and say, look, you're not uh, trusting God in this area, um, and it's evident, and I mean, that, that type of thing has to happen. You know, um, there's no excuse for the three of us to say, I'm afraid to have this conversation with this person for what they might think of me. Um, because really that does more damage to them and it does more damage to my role as a shepherd. So I know that there are hard conversations that will have to happen and hard conversations that have happened in the past. But, uh, but God is faithful even through that and uses those situations and... Um, and hopefully, you know, on the other side of that, um, people will be more willing to trust me uh, and be more willing to trust God in those situations. So, but it has to happen. Okay.
Um, what, in regards to the qualification of an elder, what do you feel like you struggle with the most, and why do you feel like you're not disqualified despite struggles in that area? You can start that one. Um, this is going to work. Um, one that comes to mind, you know, right off the bat is, uh, you know, able to teach. Um, I have no seminary degree, not that it's necessary, but it just simply means that I've got to make sure that I uh, am digging into God's Word faithfully, um, you know, digging into the doctrines of, of God and um, of, uh, you know, of what we believe uh, more faithfully so that I am equipped and able to teach. Um, it's, it's daunting because um, I have the responsibility to get up here and to teach truth. And so I have, to be, I have to be faithful to dig into God's Word and really seek out what God is wanting to communicate uh, through His Word to His people. Um, so I enjoy doing that, but there's a r- lot of responsibility that comes from that. Um, other than that, and this kind of goes along with one of the other questions about just my biggest, the biggest struggle in my life, um, and it's the, it's in Titus uh, 1, and it just basically says not to be arrogant, and uh, I can see in myself, especially when I'm at work, that oftentimes I'm very critical of people, um, which can be a good thing or a bad thing, um, especially as a leader in my work area. Uh, to be able to uh, to focus in on people and um, and their habits and encourage them as opposed to um, I guess be prideful in a sense and um, and judge them for the way that they do things or the way that they behave and so that's an area that um, that I'm really working through uh, in my own life and I've shared with my accountability group that I'm working through something that um, you know I really want to be able to, to turn what I've used as a as a negative thing into a positive thing, and so as an elder, you know, I don't I don't want to uh, to judge you guys um, or to be critical of you guys um, in a negative sense, but to be able to to see patterns in your life and to be able to encourage you and and again just point you to truth that you can trust in to to overcome those patterns. So um, that's my answer. Um, I would say my greatest weakness in the sense of that elder qualification list would probably have to be discipline. And I know that that sounds like, well, then what are you doing up there? Um, I've asked myself the same question. I'm the guy that has read the first five books of the Bible like 80 times because I never made it past Deuteronomy, you know. So I always set out with a good goal in mind, but to be disciplined in the long term. I guess that's what I should say is to be steadfast in the choices that I make. And so I'm encouraged, though, that I'm not technically disqualified from this because of that is because discipline is evident in my life. And I was very encouraged when I heard one pastor explain that the, the lack of the present of this quality or the lack of the presence of any of these qualities is what disqualifies you. But the presence, however small it may be, like a bud and a flower that's just there, is okay because it's, it's, it's a sign that this thing is going to be blossoming. And so I know I'll be growing in discipline. I know that when I say that I'm going to do something and I set my mind to do it, that I'll 
God will give me the grace as I'm further sanctified to continue to do that and to do it more often and to continue doing it until it becomes a pattern of my life. Um, but I see evidence of a lot of those areas, which I think are very small. They're buds, and they weren't there in the past, and they are there now. So I don't technically, again, see that I'm disqualified, even though I may not feel very qualified most days. Um, but that would probably be a discipline um, in the long, long run. Um, but you also kind of told about your weakness. You want me to just do that? I'd say that my greatest weakness is probably a lot of things. Uh, but if I had to isolate it, I asked Sarah about this. She was kind of helping me figure that out. Um, I'm really sensitive, and I think that I can be overly sensitive about a lot of things, and I can overanalyze everything and think about a hundred different options about something that's just meant to be something very simple to decide. And so I think that is a weakness, but I think it's rooted in some ways in a lack of faith or fear of man, which is kind of correlated because one, I don't want to disappoint people or I would be afraid of what they would say, or I don't want to do this task because what if it did this, which would make this. And you see, I fall into this pattern of what ifs, what ifs, what ifs. So that's uh, potentially one of my greater weaknesses is that I, I tend to be sensitive. But I'm working on that. I'm working on being more faithful to make decisions um, and, and worry less, trust God more, and worry less about things that are um, not very clearly defined in Scripture. Obviously, if it's clearly defined, then I'm going to make a decision and stand by it. But on these other things that were free, I'm always on the more nervous side. And so I'm, I'm glad that we all kind of share strength and weaknesses again, because I think some of my anxiety in a good way can kind of bring some healthy balance, but I'm really glad that the strength of these guys can kind of just squash that out when they say, look, stop worrying about that. So I'm, I'm, that's kind of where I'm at. I've seen both Tyson and Adam grow a lot over the past three years in their confidence about serving in this position. I think initially... Um, we didn't really have a timetable, but I would say initially we had planned on this happening sooner than later as far as affirming them as elders, but um, there was some struggle there early on about whether they were qualified from a personal standpoint, so not from me doubting their qualification, but just from themselves wondering, do we, do we qualify for this position? And, and I told you earlier today, part of that's because we're, we're in a culture where we can compare our church to other churches really easily. I mean, we we see what other churches are doing um, through podcasts and conferences, and so we see other churches' elders, and so there was some hesitancy there initially, you know, are we qualified to teach? Are we, are we qualified to serve? Are we old enough to serve? And, you know, going back to what I mentioned earlier, there was a time where, you know, I just had to affirm these guys that they were called to be elders of this church, and I think that if somebody from the outside came in and just assessed our church as a whole, and then said, who should the elders be? It would be these guys. Um, and, and so for me, that, that's a strong support for their qualification is that churches need elders, um, and, and churches need godly, mature people to serve in that capacity, and, and these guys meet, meet that qualification for our church specifically. Um, they overall have been, at times, functioning like elders. So maybe a, a good question just to help answer for you this morning is, how are things going to change once we affirm these guys as elders? Uh, in, some, in some capacities, maybe there won't be a lot of visible change for you. 
Um, they're going to continue to function like they've been functioning, where they're going to preach periodically. They're going to continue to serve within the church. They're going to function as um, small group leaders. Maybe the biggest change is going to take place in how we function together, because up to this point, and I've told them this before, up to this point, they've served more as a sounding board for how I lead the church. And so there's been times where we haven't been in 100% agreement about what we need to do, but we've yielded to what I felt like was needed for our church because I'm ultimately the one at that time that had the responsibility of leading this church. And so that's the biggest change that's going to happen is really how I relate to these guys uh, and the type of authority that they have within our meetings. When we're making decisions for our church, they move from being a sounding board to taking on the same responsibility that I have to lead. And so their opinions are, are more valued by me in that process as well because I know that they have fully committed to the responsibility to lead, lead our church because as we continue to move through this, they've always had the option to, to bail out. They've always had the option to step aside and say, I don't want to do this anymore. And so I was never going to allow them to lead our church in such a way where they could make decisions, but then not ultimately assume that responsibility for the long haul. And so once they've made that final decision and you guys have affirmed them as that, then their uh, responsibility in leading the church increases within our meetings, within our conversations type of thing. So that may not be something that you visibly see right off the bat, but that's the big change that's coming in this process um, is them assuming a greater responsibility in our time together. Um, let's have both of you speak to a little bit about how the, um, the Word of God plays out in your own life, how you feast on the Word, how you uh, study the Word, what that looks like for you to, to be in the Word. We've talked about that before, that we want you guys in the Word. Um, so what does that look like specifically for you guys to, to be in the Word? I'll go first. Um, so for me, I have, multi, as far as like a schedule of when I study, uh, it's throughout the week instead of just one uh, large schedule time. So for me, um, just schedule-wise, I have a break in the morning at work that um, most of my coworkers realize, okay, Adam's going to go off and just have some time on his own. Um, and so I'll go, it's been a good 30 minutes, um, studying uh, God's Word, uh, hanging out uh, over there in the corner. Um, and then oftentimes uh, at night after we put the kids down um, for about an hour, I have about an hour where I can study as well and uh, just kind of spend some time just focused on God's Word and, and, and studying. And then um, Sunday afternoons, a lot of times the kids are taking naps, and, you know, that's my time again to just get into to the Word and, and study as well. So as far as the schedule, that's, those are the different times that I end up studying throughout the week. Um, right now in this phase of my life, most of my studying has been on stuff that we've been doing as far as elder uh, training. So um, right now I'm studying on sanctification. I've got a sermon coming up next Sunday. Don't miss it. Um, and so I've been working on that. I've been working on a paper um, on sanctification as well. Before that, it was justification, uh, which Tyson taught on. Um, 
and then before that it was other uh, we had a theology book that basically touched on everything under the sun concerning Christianity um, so that's what it looks like when uh, I anticipate when we're through with this process just following along with what we're learning on Sundays and really digging deeper into that um, I like how we've tried to align um, as far as a church what we're studying together um, I myself don't like to be in multiple places all within one week um, so for me I'm just gonna be digging into Romans um, or wherever we may be uh, just to get a better understanding of that before Adam teaches on it uh, I think that that's a, a great model for all of us to follow along with um, and so I'll the way that I would study that would be um, just to first read through the chapter a couple times to get just a basic understanding before I, you know, reached out into a commentary just to say, you know, God, what are you speaking directly to me um, through your word? Um, and then I would look within that and say, okay, where, God, where should I kind of uh, focus in on uh, within this, this chapter or, or this book? Um, you know, what are you, what are you speaking directly to me about this? So that's what my own feasting time looks like, um, throughout the week. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, discipline is a weakness of mine. No, no, but even though that's true, there is, like Adam said, there's been, for the last couple of months, we've been studying lots of different topics, topics of justification, sanctification. So when, whenever we studied through um, the importance of God's Word and Adam was teaching us for weeks and then I had the opportunity to speak on 2 Timothy 3.16 and, and just the sufficiency of God's Word and how it upbuilds us and it equips us and it furnishes us with everything that we need, um, that was a time where I remember that I was, I was really neglecting my, my duty and delight to be in God's Word consistently because of my weakness of discipline and I was challenged then, as we all were, to find a time. And, and so I'm currently still in that testing mode of what it was like for me to get up very early on Sunday mornings, like at 5.30, and to just be in the Word for a couple hours because of my, just of my schedule throughout the week and how it flows. Um, but as Adam said, like here recently, that study time has been limited to topics. So I envision that once these things are done, that I'm able to maybe, like Adam said, stay in where we're staying, but maybe jump ahead um, and that's what I do sometimes on my breaks in the morning. Like he has one. I have a short one um, at a different time that I really only have time to kind of read. I don't really have time to get really in, in depth with anything. But I've taken notebooks like I've mentioned on the city and just tried to write down some thoughts about some different things that I've got. It helps me so that when he asks us on Sundays if we have any questions, yes, I actually do because I read it this week um, kind of thing. So it doesn't get really deep right now, but that's my, my desire, you know, as soon as we're done with this, is to be on a personal journey outside of that even in studying what it looks like um, for me to be faithful and fasting because, to be honest, I don't really know a lot about how that works itself out and how it's supposed to work itself out in my life. So that's something that I've kind of determined once we get through this that I'm going to go on a journey and try to study how um, God would want me to view that so that I'd be ready to help others and, and especially ready to be obedient to that myself. So um, I do love God's word. That's one of the things that is new about me in the sense that when I was not a Christian, I didn't love it. I did it out of duty because that's what Christians were supposed to do. But whenever I do get to come to it, it's very refreshing. And I do feel that 
that sense of what the psalmist talks about, of it being sweet. Um, and not every time when I come to it is it, you know, jumping out and speaking at me, but I think that's the importance, again, of discipline, is that you continue to do something over and over, and, and it becomes a part of you, so much a part of you, that it becomes you. So that's my goal. That's the bud in my life, and I'm praying that it flowers. Okay. We're going to do a couple more questions, and then we're going to take a short break, and then when we come back, I'm going to give you guys an opportunity to ask more of the theological questions um, that are on our list, and we'll we'll do it in such a way where they won't both answer the same one. So for sake of time, we'll ask one question to one and then a separate question uh, to another, and I'll give you guys some uh, freedom to choose which ones that we approach this morning. I am going to ask them to write up a brief summary uh, for each question that we'll post on the city. So just a few sentences on each question to kind of give you a, a quick idea so that if we don't get to all of them this morning, um, we've got that available to reference back to. But um, before we take our break, why don't you guys speak a little bit to what you see as the, the role of the local church in the life of a believer and what does it mean for you specifically to shepherd the local church? So, Tyson, you can start us. When I was reading this question, I thought it was very interesting because, you know, the church itself is is sometimes referred to as like the body. Um, and so I kind of just replaced the words. It's like, what is the role of the church in the life of a believer? And I was like, well, what is the role of the physical body in the life of the finger? You know, like to kind of get it in my head, like, well, this is how important we should view the church. So the initial role that I believe that the church should play in the life of local believers, that very much like the body towards a, a body part. It's, it's sustaining it as Christ is the head, and it's working through, like, the we have to be connected. Um, Charles Spurgeon also has a very amazing quote that Adam had in his year two discipleship stuff that talks about how, you know, we are being built up into a spiritual temple. We're all, you know, part of stones, that are being built up in that, but on our own, we're nothing but good-for-nothing bricks. So I think the role of the local church in the life of the believer is to be the, met, the method and the mode by which we are sustained in our faith under Christ as the head, obviously, and, and continually moved forward in accountability and taught the Word of God through this, because we can all study on our own, however great or bad that you are at doing that sometimes, but there's such a unique opportunity that we have to when we come here, the church functions as like, hey, this is God speaking through the pastor this morning, and he's teaching us what God's word is. So I think in modes of just sanctification and the working out of our own salvation and bringing that out, um, but then also as we've studied here recently, like, well, not too recently, but the importance of church discipline, like the local church for me is a, is a great means by which I'm protected from wandering away, and I think that that's something that um, people are more inclined to do when they are bricks sitting by themselves or isolated sheep off over here, that when the flock is together, like we are held and protected and kept um, by God's grace through the institution of the local church. Um, and the second part of the question was, what does it mean to shepherd in the church? Um, again, it kind of goes back to that, um, ultimately that Scripture talks about how Christ is the chief shepherd and the overseer. And so in the word of like shepherding, it's obviously like a flock, like taking care of the sheep, leading and guiding, and much like a shepherd would, to protect them, um, to ward off um, false teachers or to ward off um, wolves in sheep's clothing kind of thing. So taking on that mindset of like, I'm here to protect, I'm here to lead, I'm here to shepherd. 
But then as the overseer, I was reading something too that was talking about how that word kind of is like a general in the army. He comes in and he, he looks at the army, he equips them, he kind of helps lead them in what they need to have in order to function. So there's this shepherding aspect, but then there's this overseeing aspect too. And all of that functions underneath, obviously, the chief shepherd. So we're under shepherds here. We're under um, advisors, for lack of a better term. So we're underneath Christ, but that's what we do here. So was that a third part? Okay. Um, my answer is totally different from Tyson's. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Um, so the one thing that brings us here together um, not just on Sunday, but on Wednesday, uh, you know, other times that we come together is the relationship that we have through Christ to God. And so ultimately, um, you know, the goal of the local church is for us to, uh, to worship God, to honor him. And so the local church serves as a way for us to come together as believers to, to make that true about ourselves, um, for us to not only come here on a Sunday to worship God through song and through his word, to honor him in that way, but also through the week um, for us to, to bind ourselves together as a body, um, to, uh, to work out our salvation together, um, to make sure that what's true on the inside of us is true on the outside. Um, and so thankfully we have a church body uh, to do that, to, to be challenged through, um, but also ultimately to, to worship and honor God through together uh, as his bride. And so um, it's very important for all of us to be connected to a local church, no matter what phase of life we're in uh, many years from now, for that same purpose, um, because it um, is extremely difficult. Uh, I know that uh, missionaries around the world are on their own, and I'm sure they can attest to how difficult it is to be on your own in a place where there are no other believers, and, and all you want is to be able to uh, just connect your life to someone else's life um, to grow uh, in your relationship with Christ together, to grow in your strength together as a believer. So um, within that, you know, the, the role of the elder um, is very much, uh, you know, like Tyson was saying, as a shepherd. And I love that, that Jesus uses the illustration of an elder as a shepherd um, and then the church as his flock. Um, and how the shepherd protects his flock. Um, you know, the elder is meant to know truth so that he can protect truth um, so that ultimately one day when, uh, when Christ returns, um, you know, his, his church, his bride can be presented to him, you know, pure um, and, and undefiled. And um, it's a, a very large responsibility, um, but one that uh, comes with great reward, not just for us as elders, but for all of us together as a body one day. Um, the role of, of an elder also is, is meant for uh, just really strengthening uh, us together, challenging um, all of us together in our lives, in our, our walk with Christ to make sure that, uh, that we are fighting sin, uh, that we're not giving in to sin um, in areas uh, which can be hard for us to see if we're just on our own somewhere, but to be able to have uh, leadership that can help us to see those areas and not just see them and, and be, be critical of them, but to offer encouragement and to offer truth uh, that can help 
each one of us to fight those areas of sin um, and to grow in our faith and our knowledge of God and and then to look to someone else who might be in the same situation and offer them the same truth and the same encouragement. So um, that's my answer. All right. Uh, last question before we take our break. What what role has your wife played in this whole process of getting you to this point, conversations that you've had, um, how she helped strengthen your desire for that? And then what role do you see her playing? Because this isn't just uh, an individual decision for you guys. It, it will naturally affect your families as well. So what role, if any, do you see her playing uh, as an elder's wife within our church, too. Um, Jen has been very uh, encouraging uh, to me. Sought out um, this position and just really pointing out things in, in my life that have uh, just reiterated the call that I felt to be an elder. Um, there are things that I don't necessarily recognize about myself that she sees in me um, and has been able to communicate those things to me to, um, again, just uh, encourage me in my pursuit of this role. And um, there were a lot of different aspects to that question, so <laughs> I'm just going to keep going here. Um, Yeah, so um, as an elder wife, I mean, I, I can I can see her continue to, as, an, as my wife, as an elder wife, <laughs> just continue to invest in younger ladies in our church um, through discipleship, um, through, um, you know, helping uh, other young ladies um, married or, or not married um, to be. Uh, growing in their faith um, to be, um, you know, just making sure that they are pursuing um, purity in whatever uh, role they may be in. Um, she is very good at creating a very hospitable place as far as our home. I'm very thankful for that, and she um, is very open to us having people at our house uh, hosting things and um, just inviting people over um, for no reason, and um, or not for no reason, but um, and so I mean, I I mean I see her continuing to do that as well. Um, as far as like a an immediate change, I mean it's hard for me to say that this will be the change since I mean we've been in this role already for so long, and she's taken on a lot of that responsibility as a elder's wife. Um, so I can't say that there'll be like a huge difference as far as what she'll do, um, but I know that she will, she understands the seriousness of it, and we even set the kids down this morning and talked to them about um, what this morning was going to be about and how it didn't just affect Daddy, but it affected our whole family and uh, how we were permanently wanting to connect our family to our church in this way, and so um, I'm thankful that that she uh, very much wants to do that as well, uh, along with me, and that we can um, together as a family serve our church in that role. 
Sarah has been nothing but encouraging uh, our whole marriage, period. Um, so in this pursuit, she's been nothing but encouraging and uplifting and supportive through it. Um, like Adam said, she's just like Jen's been for him. She's been helpful in seeing things that I can't see about myself and encouraging me in those ways. Um, but not much more than any Christian wife should be for their husband. So she's been completely just a gift to me. And I don't see in any necessary way of her role very much changing. Cause to me, she's such a, a model of selfless service, the way that she serves me and she serves our family and serves a bunch of you guys. Um, she's the model for hospitality for me. Um, as many of you can attest as you've been in our home and, and seen her work hard to cook your meal and make you feel welcome. And so I know that she doesn't have to continue to do these things because she's an elder's wife, but because she is who she is in Christ, she does these things, which makes her a really good elder's wife. Um, so I don't necessarily think that her role is going to have to change in any way besides the 15 Bible studies she's going to have to lead during the week. <laughs> just kidding. Uh, no, but just that she would continue to pray and support me, that's going to help me being able to lead. And she does that just like Jen does that and Lauren does that every Wednesday night whenever we're gone for three plus hours at our meetings, you know, having to put the kids to bed and do all those things on their own. So um, hats off to the ladies for sure. Okay. Let's take five minutes, maybe 10 minutes, um, walk around, take a break, and we'll come back and uh, do some more theological type questions for our time.